it's actually one of the biggest rackets i feel like bro that that in the insurance industry in this country <laughs> oh yeah 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 insurance is not it that's why yeah. i take tc everywhere and i bike oh that's smart that's smart it's much awesome. it's much better when you're when you're in the downtown core and you kind of have everything at your footsteps you know i wonder if like i i come from a small city like windsor and it's very like you never biked like it was never a thing and then i come to the to the city and i've been living downtown for like over five years and i'm like i can't believe i used to drive how why would i ever drive it's not even smart blah 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 and then i go back to like windsor or people that drive and they're like what you don't drive it's like two people different two two different languages yeah yeah i mean you don't even got to go to windsor bro just come to the west end <laughs> yeah, i don't go that far i know i only go as far as different you know west. oh man 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 yeah oh yeah we're, we are recording by the way so this is this is another episode oh. of the black swan experience i'm here i'm here with uh my good friend meharet and uh, we're, we're here to shoot the shit. Thank you, Mahara, for coming on, by the way. Of course, of course. I'm happy to be here. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, I see, I see, I see you're flexing uh, that mug on us, eh? Oh, yeah. We'll get to this a little later, but yes. Ooh, way good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. This is, uh, this, this, is, this is like my first time ever coming to, to talk on a podcast. So I'm, I'm really excited. Really, really. I, I'm very, I'm very honored. Yeah. Ho- hopefully we can get into some shit. I mean... Generally, I mean, in the past, like we, comms are always pretty vibrant and interesting. I was even just telling you that, you know, I pretty much just hollered at everyone who, you know, I actually have interesting conversations with so I could just record it, you know? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think um, we also meet at like pretty like dope spots where we happen to just be the only Habashas there or something. And I'm like, oh, okay, Jonathan, how did you end up at this random uh, shoot that they're doing here? Yeah. And then the little, the more that I've seen you around, I'm like, wow, he's really into this community life. He's really into this, not like, you know, business ventures. Like you were, I just, I felt like I was getting to know you more as we met in these different places without you having to tell me. And then I like, then we started to get to know each other. Like, what are you into? like you know yeah so it's it's pretty cool yeah yeah it's it's I mean I always find like some of the the best relationships that you have or like the dopest conversations that you have are like not forced you know you're really just you're moving through life you know you're 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 doing your thing trying to trying to experience you know new places or you know you're you're on some sort of a mission you know and you end up crossing paths with people and it's like oh yeah you know yeah you you that's yeah like I feel you you know and you just you know and it, it just it just goes from there I mean that was just I don't know how much I just said there but I think people get the gist of you know <laughs> yeah no 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 it's it's the best it's like meeting somebody where you both already have an interest in the conversation just is so much smoother right like when we meet at places that we're both passionate about then the conversation naturally you'll know where it goes where opposed to like when you're just meeting people maybe like at a party or something not not that I don't meet people at parties but it's just a little bit more, it's it's harder to get through to what like the substance of it all is right and I am per- personally am the queen of like I don't like small talk right so I'm that person that is like okay so like what are your deep dark secrets and let's talk about it and you know like like that is the person I've always been and as I like get older it just becomes more like that so I tend to be more I tend to be one to be around people that are like more 
more vulnerable and willing to talk about things. So like when I see you around and I'm like, you know, you're, you're trying all these things, but it's always centered around like bettering yourself and, you know, like being in community. Like I, I just appreciate that so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, you know, we're all, we're all on this mission trying to, trying to, trying to get to it. So yeah, it's definitely been dope. I, I, I'm really, I got to go back to that, uh, that one cafe on, on Queen Street that was just so fucking fly on right there on 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 Lisgar Street that that low key spot. I've been yeah. going there. I, I used to go there to study pretty regularly, but after the pandemic hit, like this, oh my god. I mean, most. I mean, a you can't really go. Have they opened back up? I, I don't even know. Like, can you sit? Can you sit down in there at this point? I'm not sure. Like, I think I don't follow. I, I haven't been following it because it, I feel like if I get myself too excited and think I'm like out on these streets, then yeah, they yeah, take yeah. me back and like I'll just break my heart so I'm like it's okay I'll continue going to these parks I'll continue like you know I see the patios open but I don't know if you can actually go into like a cafe and do I don't know work or have a coffee I don't know how far this new like level of freedom that we have is at least the patios are open though man thank god I, I i swear i did not people there was rumors flying around they're like oh yeah june something you know it's gonna open i was like ah. they, they just been finessing us for a whole year kicking the can down the road like every three weeks a month you know so i mean at least at least the patios are open you know oh i'll take anything i, I at, at one point when they said the parks are gonna be closed like that tested everything about my mental health because i'm like the parks what what is wrong with the parks like what co- what have we come to in life that we can't even go to the park so yeah. now like i'm like so much more appreciative of like the little things and like that when the like the patio started that like that conversation about oh yeah we might have patios open and stuff like that i'm just like oh my god this level this is a new level of freedom like the gratitude for it all is so it's different I'm sure we'll forget it in six months when things start to get back a little bit more normal but I do like appreciate being able to have access to that like so much and I yeah. and I do not want to go on another lockdown I, I no I, I I don't think so I mean most people are getting vaccinated at this point they've been rolling it out pretty steady so you know, I feel like we've been through the worst of it. I, I hope we've been through the worst of it. Jesus, man. Any longer and Ford's going to have a problem, bro. He's, I, I mean, I, I don't know if he has any hopes of wanting to get reelected, but, you know, if we go into another lockdown, not, I don't know. I don't know how, how much people are going to put up with that. So, and, and, and I mean, it, it's like, yo, you, you want to protect the public health. But then I think even, you know, what you just brought up about mental health, it's like, what are all the other side effects of, you know, of you shutting down, you know, everything the way the way that we did for such a long period of time? You know, like, what are the second and third order consequences that, you know, of, of people's health in other ways that are now, you know, being compromised, you know, from being stuck at home in a box and I mean, I mean, if your place is not that small and you got, if you're by yourself, it's very tough. If you've got a lot of people, it's still very tough. You know, it's like you're, everyone's kind of in everyone's space. And uh, yeah, like, did you see, I mean, like, what was your, your part of uh, art and health? You guys are doing mental health work. Like, did you get to see the side effects of that? Oh, absolutely. I, I think for us, just to start, 
when we were hearing uh, that we were going into this like pan global pandemic and all these words, we had an opportunity from our funder to actually stop programming because our programming was centered around being outside and being around people. So they're like, hey, like we know this is like a really like unbeseen to what's happened in the past. So we we like will let you guys get off of like using doing any programming. You can stop it for this year and like when this whole thing stops, we'll start again. And I remember like thinking like her and I, Aiden and I were just talking, my partner at Art and Health, and we're like, we seriously thought about it. We're like, yeah, maybe we should, you know, like we are like our, we are challenged ourselves. So how can we support our community in this time? And then the more we thought about it and we like, we're doing kind of like just call in check-ins with our family. We're like, we came back to that. There's no way, there's no way we can, we can stop right now because this is when our community needs us. If we, as like able-bodied individuals who have supports outside of like, you know, art and health, what are the ones that don't have supports looking like specifically centered around seniors and them being not able to like leave the house? Are they getting access to food? So early, early in the pandemic, we, we started to see like when people were calling and they're like, you know, the whole conversation around CERB and all these things that was on the news through the internet, but our community didn't have access to help somebody print, like figure how to work out CERB or our community didn't have like the basics of getting through what a pandemic is. So like, it was very evident since day one that our community was struggling. When I say our community, I mean the Habesha community, that's who we serve. But now moving into like you know, the summer ends, we had a food security program that we ran, and we were able to support seniors, get them food, get them culturally specific foods like injera. We did food share boxes, like shout out to food share, they partnered with us on that. And we we got access to seniors that we never had spoken to before. Immediately, we realized like, you know, there were so many like, situations of already high risk seniors. And so we had to facilitate things with them. And this is two, three people working at Art and Health. And so we're like, you know, talking on other boards and we're telling them about the situation within our community. But at this point, we're already in the fire. Like we can't, there's no way that they're going to be able to save us. So it was up to us to try to do the very little that we can. And we were, we're proud of what we did um, so far. It always feels like you don't do enough. But up to this day, I've always been concerned with how people are working through their mental health when you're in a state of like panic or you're, you're in, you know, domestics have gone up because, you know, a lot of situations, they weren't so good before being in an, in a pandemic stuck together every single day, financial frustrations are starting to loom. It just makes things that much harder. Right. And our community is already silent. Right. We don't talk about the real situations within our home. So we like this was something that concerned us personally and as like an organization very early. And until this day, like, to be honest, like I'm constantly like having friends talk to me how the pandemic has really let them see certain things about themselves and like how they've realized that like, yeah, this idea of mental health, like it's really becoming a conversation now because I think the, it was so obvious during the pandemic, how much people had struggled and you couldn't run away from any of it. Right. You couldn't just be like, yo, I'm going to go have a drink here. You couldn't, it, it literally was like, oh no, you got to deal with it some way, somehow, good luck. So I said that in a very long way. Absolutely. Yes. Mental health has been tested. We anecdotally see it. And I'm sure as soon as the, the research starts coming out, we'll, we'll start to see it with data. Wow. Yeah. 
I mean, the work that you guys have been doing has been pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, just to recap, like you, you guys ran a food, food sharing program, right? Where you guys basically put together food boxes that was culturally specific. So um, there was injera, butter, butter, like tomatoes and onions and basically any, any of the, any of the fundamental basics that, you know, any, any, any Habisha person will probably find their, their moms or somebody cooking and you guys were distributing it to, to families basically who needed it. I think the pandemic even highlighted even more like especially community organizations, I feel like it was an opportunity. And I remember Emmanuel Mellis, who's the uh, head of the NA, NABC, brilliant guy, uh, who was talking about the importance for community organizations to step up and, you know, show why, you know, they're, they are important in the communities that they are in. Because, I mean, it's really in crisis that you actually get to see, you know, what, what you're made of. You know what I mean? So it, it's the fact that you guys like doubled down and even stepped up your efforts. Because it really, I felt like it was like you guys went into overgear when the pandemic came. You know, it, it wasn't even, it wasn't like you guys slowed down. It was like, yo, you guys really, really turned up. And, you know, I feel like, yo, these, these are things that some other communities definitely see. So it's good to see. And even, I think even the morale that, you know, it provides, you know, people in our community who aren't doing so well. And it's like, I remember one of my friends I connected you guys to, he was doing delivery for the food boxes. And uh, he was telling me how, like, you know, how appreciative, you know, people were like, you know, thank you. Thank you. What day, you know, and, and, you know, even that it's limited contact, but, you know, just showing up for each other in that moment, you know, it's, it's powerful shit, man. Cause you know, people in the community know that, you know, we, we care about each other and we're not alone, you know? And even, even that, I think just mentally, it, 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 it's, it's not even just about the actual food, you know, I think it's, it's, it's also just about also what it signifies. Right. And, you know, so I think, I think that's, there's, there's so, there's so many layers to, to what you were just saying right there. I mean, now, given the fact that you're also in a pandemic, like how does, who's, who's the support support, you know, like how does, how, how, how did you, how did you manage that? I mean, I've been very grateful that you know, I do what I love, which is I work within um, art and health. And I, and the other part is like, I work in the criminal justice system, supporting youth that are incarcerated. And I've been blessed that like, when I can go into a space and say, I'm not feeling so well, or I can get on a zoom, whether it's with uh, art and health team or my other job and say, you know, today, I need a mental health day, because mental wellness is centered in these jobs. Even with art and health, early on, we had like, we changed our agenda where every meeting, which we have once a week, we always start with a check in. And the longer the pandemic went, the, the longer those check-ins tended to be so people on our team would there would be like 30 minutes just dedicated on check-ins because we wanted to prioritize that and there were times where we couldn't have the meeting we're like hey you know it's canceled because nobody was mentally capable of like trying to you know logistically do things at that time right we had to deal with as they came but we always prioritized that being the most important you know like we'll miss a deadline if somebody on our team is not well like that's just how we manage our work and that helps a lot Second, I was able to also, uh, you know, during this time, I'm like, I'm going to be supporting so many people, supporting community, supporting family, right? Then I also need support. So I got therapy during the pandemic, which 
I mean, you've heard how much therapy changes lives. I am like, stop calling your friends, call a therapist. Like it will get done quickly and more effectively. And it really just allowed me to work. Like it made everything that I did so much better because there was a moment where I could take for myself. Like I was prioritizing myself for an hour, working through what I needed to work through. Then when I come into community, I'm prioritizing everybody else. But when you're just giving all the time, then there comes a point where you aren't dealing with the things that you need to deal with. And I feel like that won't make you as like, it won't be able to like what I was doing, let's say like at 80%, I was able to do a hundred because of the support that I was getting otherwise. So like, I didn't feel like I was becoming uh, drained. I didn't feel burnt out. And when I did feel burnt out, actually is the time that I was like, Hey, I need to go get, you know, some support for myself. And I was able to do that. And I'm so glad that I was able to experience that. I would recommend therapy for anyone, everyone. And a little plug, if you're youth uh, between 16 to 29, we also offer free therapy, art and health. So yeah, you can, you can also reach out to us and we can get you started. That's huge. Cause I know therapy is fucking expensive, man. If you really want to get, it's like over a hundred dollars an hour per set. That's like one session and you're done and you probably need a couple. Right. So yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's definitely not accessible for everyone. And that's why we wanted to make sure like that is something that we value. So we're like, we need to bring this to the community and the younger they are, the better, because, you know, like as Habish says, I don't know if we've been, if we have an emotional intelligence in the way that like, sometimes we need it. We're oftentimes, and this is, I can speak to my experiences is like, we're oftentimes told to like, you know, not have that emotion or, you know, like you don't worry about it, pray about it. Right. Like those type of things where you don't really learn how to work through something and therapy kind of gives you that coping skills without shaming you. It validates a lot of what you're feeling without that shame, which sometimes like is experienced in Habisha households. So, yeah. So I just feel like it's really, it's, it's a powerful thing. You, you said um, you stopped talking to your friends and you decided, decided to start going to therapy. Like why not just talk to your friends? What's, what's the, what's the discrepancy? Uh, well, for me, it was, I, I'm someone like, I'm a very like action oriented person. Like that's just my nature. I like to like see results. Right. And I'm like the, I'm talking to my friends, but we're going through the same thing. It's like how many Tony Robbins motivational speeches are you going to give me that I need to watch? Like I need coping mechanisms. I need someone who is trained in this to be able to tell me like, Hey, this is probably what you're experiencing because what we're experiencing through the pandemic is not necessarily what we will experience with ourselves. Like our experience, like what I could be challenged with during this time could be anything that could come up from my childhood because I'm left to my own devices. And when you're left alone in like your own mind, your mind races. And even knowing that your mind is racing, like you want somebody to point that out to you. You want somebody to say like, Hey, you know, this could be anxiety, which is normal in a lot of people. And there's a continuum and there comes a point where you may need to get help, but that's you're a long way from it. Right. Or like being more preventative, like if you're feeling something, why wait until you're like in the danger zone to get the help, just like you would with your physical health. If you are starting to feel like tired and you're gaining all this weight and all this, like, don't wait till you're like, there's the, the, the ability to come back is so hard. Instead, you would, you know, build a plan to be more preventative, which is like, how do I not get to that point? Okay. You know, and then you, you work around that. And like, that's what trained therapists are able to do is like build a map for you and like validate a lot of the feelings that you're having. Because, you know, there's a lot of like, for me, 
During this time, there was also like a war that broke out in, in Ethiopia. And my parents who are seniors are going through it. And like to know that's another game that I'm going to have to like be able to support, especially, you know, knowing that they wanted to retire there. These things that was happening within my family dynamic, our relationship changed because I don't have access to them anymore all the time because they're so intertwined with what's happening back home and, you know, all these things. So like that's taking away from how I'm feeling. So there's a bunch of layers that's adding on to just, you know, living in Toronto by yourself. Um, There's a whole pandemic happening. There's a whole war happening. Your parents are like feeling a certain emotion that you've never experienced them having. There's guilt because you're here and they're not, and they're like, and the people back home are struggling. There's so many emotions. And like, I'm just telling you this right now. (laughs) And that was what I was working through. And that's what I was able to like learn. Oh, okay. This emotion comes from this place. So it wasn't my partner uh, annoying me and me like lashing out on that person. Right. So I could really like center each day to be like, okay, this emotion is based off this, this emotion is based off that. And then build like coping mechanisms as I, as much as I could under the limited circ- like uh, resources that I had to make sure that it doesn't get worse, to make sure that like anything else, if you don't treat it, then it's just going to get layer and layer and layer. And I didn't want that to happen. And so that's why I chose the, the, the professional help. And my friends are still valid, valuable. I, I do like, you know, they're, they're amazing, but I needed that added support. So, so is therapy like, is it something that you just, you go through, you go to when like you're having, you're just feeling a little bit messed up on the inside. You're not sure about what's going on or, you know, you're, you're having these internal problems and you just go for like a temporary period and then you get the tools to be able to deal with this. Like, or, or, or do you always have to go? Like, how, how does, how does, how does that work? I think therapy um, and how I see it is like what you need, like whatever it is that you need. Some people just need a short term, like they say eight weeks is standard to be able to work through something. But some people do like lifetime of therapy, um, if that's what they need, because they want somebody to check in on like, just like a, a coach, a personal trainer, I don't know, like something like that. So I think like if you're someone who is actively going through like maybe uh, like an episode and you want to be diagnosed and all these things, there's a long-term relationship you may may have to have with your psychiatrist, your therapist, like a whole team. But if you're someone who's just, who wants to learn, I think it's also about development. Like there's things that I didn't know I do, for example, based on how I grew up, you know, like there's a cultural context that they teach you. Oh yeah. Like that could be based on like your childhood and how, like, there's just so much layers that you learn about yourself that I don't think that I would have had the awareness otherwise, had I not spoken to, to a therapist. Um, and I'm someone that's also like, you know, read all the books, you know, like this, the, here's the 10 steps to this. This is how like you're, there's nothing like one-on-one talking about literally your experiences in a place that is safe, that feels supported. Obviously you want somebody that's like culturally competent so they can, they, they could speak to, like they could understand the experience that you're going through, but it, it, it helps in the, in the aspect of like, I, once again, that whole idea of like self-development awareness, like once you're walking in life, aware of your triggers, aware of what you know, where emotionally you could be at, then you move different. And that just adds on to your, your like capability as a human. Um, Yeah. True. Yeah. I was, I was also, cause, cause you said culturally competent, like 
how much does it really how much does it matter like that you know the person like who that person is or like what their background is like is a white 80 year old woman you know if I go to therapy and she's my therapist like how much is she really going to be able to to understand or is it just like if you're a doctor you're a doctor and it doesn't really matter what it's just about the information I would say that that does matter because you want someone you don't want to have to tell someone like you're an experiment you know like oh I grew up in Ethiopia and Ethiopia is here and da, 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 and the locations on this side and da, da. like you want them to kind of know just the basic information as like you know even when it comes to like I, I think of black men often because you know if someone can't relate to the injustice or have an understanding of the injustice then they might just come see some like see another black person a youth or a black person come in and they could be like oh this person is just frustrated for no reason because they don't have the like understanding the knowing of like culturally systemically what's been happening to the black community specifically men um so maybe their ability to kind of walk you through something wouldn't be as powerful as someone who could at the very least understand whether it's educationally or because of lived experience right and I say that to say like it just really depends on what you need to because some people are triggers for some people so having someone from your own community could trigger you so you may not want that you may want somebody that has an understanding of culture like maybe someone that's other parts of Africa in my case or something like that which was my in my case I didn't have a Habesha. I had somebody outside of, I think they were, she was from the Caribbean, but she understood like when, when I would talk about like, you know, you know, my, my family's like this and she's like, oh yeah, I know that's common in like the Habesha community. And which made me feel comfortable, like, which it just validated the fact that like, I must not have been the first person to talk to her about this. Like, that's how I felt, which mm. made all of it that much more normal to me. So, and if there's some people that said I would prefer that were men, that would be like, I would prefer to talk to a woman because I feel like, you know, the circumstances around their situation. So you really have to take inventory of what you need. Just like when you go look for that right barber, like you go and be like, okay, I need a person that lines me up just right like I need to make sure he's not so far from my house that's the same thing with therapy and it might not be the first person that you find that's going to be your part it might not even be the second or third but when you find him you know you're like all right like I'm going to be stuck with you for the next 50 years because mm. you know they don't change their their barbers are, are, are there a lot of black men therapists I feel like I haven't seen many I don't know if it's just me. yeah I, I don't I don't know many of them I mean I think this space talking about emotions is still very new uh spe- especially to black men so I don't see many but I'm hoping the more we talk about the more that we normalize it like black men will you know go into these spaces um, because they're very much needed but on the other side to that I do understand why some black men wouldn't pick this profession I mean especially the older generation I feel like you know even with I have my brother who I shared that I I work in the criminal justice system Um, the reason one of the reasons why I got into it is because of my brother was at at a young age um, incarcerated and I remember him going through the like the system and I just was like everybody doesn't even know whether he did it or not yet they have already both on the defense I felt like and the the prosecutor he was already like was already guilty in their eyes so at that point just working through the system like doing the paperwork all that stuff and you know time passes you know life goes on and just like people do they evolve they get better they do better things he ended up like actually 
because of my recommendation, he, he took social work in, in school. And I was like, so proud of him. He graduated like four point, like he graduated high, like everything was on a roll, like amazing. In his third year, he has to do like, like a, basically you have to go and work at the, like volunteer at these institutions. And then like, that was part of your, your credits. And he couldn't find any because of his criminal record and nobody would take him in. No one, like I'm talking about a grassroots, no one was willing to take him on. Luckily, some, somehow, some way, like someone that he had known, like let him, but it was like with his grades, he should have been able to go into anything, any institution that he wanted. And then he would be honest about his experiences and like, you know, but they didn't really value that. They're just like, nope, you have a criminal record, shut the door, keep it moving kind of thing. Then he graduated with the, the degree and he's never used it. And I always tell him, you know, like him and I talk, I'm like, it's so sad because when I go into these jails, they need to see men like you. They need to hear from people that have gone through the ringer through the system and got out on the other side and now are doing like he now he works in IT and that are doing great things. But, you know, are they're not they're not being allowed, like making mistakes when you're younger, whether you're right or wrong, are not always celebrated when you're older, especially for black men, your opportunities get, you know, limited. Mm, mm, Yeah, I mean, it's you're already facing kind of like a a perceptual problem. And then you add like real situations to that. And then now you fit the description, you know, so that, that that could be that could be pretty troubling. So like what, I mean, you, you, your bro goes through that whole situation. Like, how did you decide to weave your way into the, the, the criminal justice system? Well, at that time I was the university of Windsor. I was like, sure that I'm going to be a lawyer. Right. Like I was like, yep, this is what I'm going to do. This is before my brother had gone in and he goes in and then there's this like emotional torment, like me and my family are going through and I'm watching it like in real life. And I remember thinking like, why would I want to work within the system that is, I feel bringing down my brother, right? And so I didn't know that I made this conscious decision, but I did uh, in a way because I pushed away from really wanting to practice law in that way. I wanted to center my like the the next part of my life after university in advocacy. And so I started to like volunteer at, you know, really specific youth centered organizations in Windsor. That's where I'm from. And then my brother had got like, he did so much time that I moved on to like finish university then I decided that I was just gonna go and work I worked for the crown's office which is like I was doing I was working with people when they have to you know when you got to get your disclosure when you have a charge they give Mm -hmm. you disclosure and so I was working very closely with the prosecutors there and the more I talked to them the more that it confirmed what I was feeling when I was watching my brother's trials and it was like I would bring like a 16 year old kid who's there for like theft but then you hear the story about the kid and it's like he's in a you know bad situation at home he's hanging around like you could tell just being a kid being a kid but when I talked to the prosecutors kind of trying to advocate for him to get a like you know like let's just give him some volunteer hours whatever it was so hard for them to understand why because they didn't have an understanding of culture and the environments that these kids were growing up and then I just remember thinking I'm like I don't want to do this anymore like I I don't want to be on the side of like in my eyes at that time like the oppressor like I'm here like helping them put these kids in even if it's just with paperwork I just felt like no I don't want to do this so then I decided to like leave that that job and I went and like went back to school did my paralegal diploma and then that's kind of where I just started to like do the more like advocacy center 
centered. Like I started working into like immigration offices where I was seeing a lot more newcomers and helping them process getting into the country, et cetera, et cetera. Then I started to like, you know, like work with, with in different nonprofits that was centered around um, kids and like the involvement with the criminal justice system. And then lastly, it was like, you know, when I started to get opportunities to go into the jails to talk to these youth, that was like, okay, this is what I need to do. But then that's also where I realized like, you know, I went through this experience with my brother and my family feeling like I was the only Habesha family that was going through it. But then when I go into these institutions, I'm seeing so many Habesha kids and they're like, oh, my God, come in, lucky. Like there's some of them are newcomers. Some of them have been there, like have been here. They're young. Right. And I was like, why are we not talking about this? Like I just my family has literally gone through the ringer thinking like we had no community. Right. Because nobody people would act like they didn't know, which they knew. And then I like I walk in there and I'm seeing all these Habesha kids and I just couldn't believe the overrepresentation and I couldn't believe that we weren't talking about it. And that's kind of what led into doing art and health, which was really centered around like because I also realized these kids, not only did they have like the environments where they grew up where it's so great, but were at the same time, like they could be living in these like certain neighborhoods, but their parental situation was good in that their parents gave them like food and better than the other kids that I was I was watching or like working with, but also like they lacked that emotional support from their parents and, or even understanding of what their specific circumstances, like, you know, for kids, it's really important that they have a lot of friends. And then when you're, you know, your parents are constantly telling you like, oh, you're lazy or all these other words when you're around these friends, like it just, you know, like feelings get involved and stuff like that. So I just was, that was kind of like my journey into art and health, which was like, I want to have these conversations. Like, why are we so silent on these topics that are clearly like really hurting our community? Why mental health though? Like how criminal justice to mental health? Like where was, where, what, what did you see? What, what did you see in there that was like, that got yeah. you? I mean, I think it was, it was more like the conversation. So just like you and I are doing, we feel safe with each other. We're able to talk about things. And that's what I was doing with these youth. So they shared, they shared a lot. And a lot of it had to do with things that they weren't comfortable sharing with their parents. So when you start talking to people that are in jail, a lot of it is never like, oh, this person is just this horrible person. He's deviant from birth. Like he was just meant to be in jail for 70 years. Like, no, a lot of it has to do with substance issues. A lot of it has to do with undiagnosed mental health issues, which is like ADHD could lead to so many things if it's not diagnosed. So these are these are the things that I was hearing, like, oh, this kid now is like 30. But at 16, he could have been diagnosed with with ADHD right then at 16 17 18 he cannot sit in a classroom so then what do you get labeled as deviant right so then he started to think like he was deviant and he started to act accordingly but not because it was like this is who he wanted to be but because his diagnosis was never really taken seriously and they didn't foster spaces for him to learn in a way that's appropriate for him right and so this is what you learn when you see with these kids some of it is like sexual abuse that has never been talked about just a lot of like internal conflict that I was having that made me really connect to this idea of like you know we're not addressing these like mental health struggles that we're having and it could just start with a conversation because ultimately that's what I was doing with this these kids and you know some of them would do like they would have two years left and then when they get out they would they would contact me and they'd be like oh yeah you know I ended up going to the psychiatrist I went to my doctor like and you could some of them like you would be surprised how much they changed just even having the outlet with somebody 
to just talk to like no judgment, just shoot, like talk. Yeah. So that that's kind of where I started to see the connection with mental health and like the criminal justice system. As much as prison is supposed to be a punishment for, you know, some crime that you've committed, I thought it's also supposed to be like a place of rehabilitation, right? Aren't they supposed to like rehabilitate you so that you can, you know, go back into the world and be a working member of society? Like how good of a job do they actually do rehabilitating these people? Because it just sounds like this is these are people who are really dealing with a lot of issues. And, you know, I know people that I grew up with personally and, you know, they've got conflicting issues on the inside, you know, things that they haven't really dealt with in, in their own home. And then, you know, for, for a lot of men, it gets channeled through anger and aggression, you know, and you go out there and many of us can't, can't get rid of that feeling of, you know, competition or wanting to be the guy in some way, shape or form. But it's, it's, it ends up like you're channeling it in a negative way. Right. But ultimately, you know, it comes back to like really dealing with internal internal shit that needs to you you need to get help with. So like how good of a job do do prisons even really do at at, at, uh, at helping these people? In my opinion, I don't do I don't think they do a great job. I think the system that we're in right now is pro-incarceration and not so much rehabilitation. In my experience, experience, I haven't seen much rehabilitation that can really go on based on just the system itself. So the place that I go into, it's not even like you're, you're guilty or innocent yet. You're just in holding till your court date to find out if you're guilty or innocent, right? Mm. And the when I talk to, to the young men, they'll, they'll tell me, they'll be like, oh, I'm just going to plead guilty because if I don't, then I'm going to be waiting here for two years on a sentence uh, to get sentenced because that's how delayed the system is. And so they're like, it, but if I just plead guilty, you know, they'll give me six months in probation and I'm out. Right. And so, you know, when imagine if he did that when he was 19, 20, he's not really understanding the consequences of having a record at that time. Right. Because then it follows you for the rest of your life. But that's the decisions that these people are making because they just want like they're not going to wait two years to get sentenced when if they take a plea they can take get six months and it's much quicker. So, and, and even going into this, to the actual institution, a lot of the people that were there um, working there outside of like the volunteers that I, I would connect with, they would sh- say things to me. Like they would make comments, like, why are you even doing this? Like, you know, like they're, they're they shouldn't have any uh, contact with the outside world. They should just be here serving their time. Like they they don't necessarily want the programs to come in. And so sometimes they make it difficult for you, right? Like sometimes I would be waiting outside for two, three hours to see somebody, but because I made that commitment to that person, I would wait, but who really has the ability to wait two, three hours when they were supposed to be seeing him three hours before. Mm. So they do little things to like discourage you from coming in. So yeah, so I don't, I don't really know how, like what a priority rehabilitation is within our system. I think it's very pro-incarceration, throw away the key mentality. Word, yeah, that's crazy. Because I mean, essentially, you're pretty much getting written off, right? And prison, prison is a whole different, other, it's, it's like an underground world that exists, you know, it's, it's out of sight, out of mind. And I mean, hopefully, and maybe, you know, the, the conversations around mental health and, and uh, the importance of, you know, healing the mind is, is not really looked at as just something that's just some corny conversation, but, you know, some something important that people actually go through on a regular, but, you know, we want to deny it as, as that gets maybe brought to the forefront, maybe it seeps its way in to the uh, prison system as well. Cause I mean, essentially these are just a lot of people that are really just hurting. Right. So they probably need the help the most. 
I, I really wonder if uh, like what what other prisons around the world look like and, and what things different different countries have tried, you know, to, to kind of take take a more rehab approach rather than just, you know, like you said, lock the key away and throw it out. You know, and most of these people end up becoming repeat offenders. Right. If I'm not mistaken, like people go to prison, they end up going back some way, somehow over, over some bullshit. So. I mean, I feel like it would be in the country's best interest to have these people as, you know, working members of society. But ideally, you don't you, you never make your way. You never make your way in to begin with. You know, that's that's the that's the best case scenario. Why do you think it's like so like what is it about our culture that makes these conversations so tough to have in particular? I mean, when we're speaking to the Habishas. I think as Habishas, we have this we have this need to want to be perfect or look perfect or act as if we don't go through things. I I don't know if it's something our parents, parents, parents learned when they're younger. I don't, I don't really understand, but I know it's, we pay a lot to like the external, like the outside forces, whether it's like what we look like, you know, just, just how, like how people how people look at you and your kids that's very important but where it comes from i'm i'm still trying to understand because i know my parents growing up were like that but i feel like because of the experiences they had with their kids they're forced to evolve and it comes and you know when I, the more i talk to my dad he'll just tell me he's like this is the way we did it back home right like this is this is how we behave back home or you know even when like i i talk to him about like hey dad like you know like now we like when we get off the phone will be like I love you and he was like I love you too Guale like like that but growing up I don't think I remember him saying it like if it wasn't like a really where I needed to hear it or something yeah yeah yeah, I don't I don't remember just like casually saying I love you and I brought it up to him and he's like but then I say it to to the like my nieces and my nephews he'll say it like by the hour like we're just me and my sister like is that yeah like yeah 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 no I feel you I feel you yeah, so I, I just I know there's an opportunity to grow for Habishas just because, like I said, our, my family has we've evolved quite a bit, and my parents are older; they're in their seventies, and they're like you know they're I mean even to this day I still have challenges with them, but I can say certain things where they're not going to just you know the back home mentality is not going to kick in like they will think, and that has to do with a lot of kind of like how we are as kids, but. And they just, he always, you know, when they share, they just say like, you know, this is how it is back home. Like, this is how we were raised. And I, and I, I, I do like appreciate that answer because you can only do so much. Like you can only do what you know, right? We've, we're in a privileged situations as, you know, first generation, some of us um, to change that. Like my thing is like, my parents gave me a baseline. Right. So now I have to do better than my parents baseline, whether it's financially, um, spiritual, whatever it is like my parents didn't have the opportunities that I had. So and that includes like even in the mental health space or even in creating businesses, whatever you're doing, like you have to you can't always blame it on your parents. You could do a lot of learning and unlearning from what your parents um, have taught you because now you're an adult to see what, you know, some things that I want to keep. And I always say that some things I want to, I love my culture. There's a lot of things that I'll keep from it, but then there's some things that I'm like, I'm cool. Like I'm not going to bring that into like my, my new family or like the next generation of family that I built. Right. 
yeah it's we definitely i don't yeah there's there's definitely something even when it comes to like showing affection that's just some families definitely you know everyone's there's and there's individuals within it but like and hubbish's man you ain't, you ain't getting none of that you know I think. Yeah, yeah. and I, I always wondered that like because there is some of my friends who who they're like you know they're very close with and they've been close since they're kids and i'm like oh there's Habisha families like this and she'll and for her it's so normal she's like what are you talking about and then I'll, she'll talk to me and then I'll tell her about like how my family is and she'll go around my family and she's like oh okay yeah I see what you mean like yeah <laughs> I'm like yeah. yeah like we're the family that had dinner at the dinner table every day every yeah literally every day but like never talked about our emotions we just yeah, yeah. literally yeah. ate and <laughs> my yeah. dad talked about something I think and then yeah. something to do with Bill Nye the size guy at some point yeah. right yeah, 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 and that's it like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, and and I I don't even think it's it's just I mean we're habishas so we can have that conversation but I don't think it's just habishas I think it's a lot of Eastern cultures you know African cultures I'm sure I'm sure you go into like the Middle East and you know Asia and all that I'm sure there's definitely some similar you know patterns where it's just like uh, it's it's this is definitely something to do it's it's probably. A, in, in many ways a western phenomena because we're here and you know this is just something that's open that people do but you know my mom calls it a culture clash you know that's <laughs> that's, that's that's her bar whenever whenever, whenever uh, you know there's there's some different perspectives but but yeah man it's it's definitely you know some 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 opportunity for for growth but yeah sh- shame i think is a big thing you know like you're always like oh you know with the crystal like yo you know, they, he's, he's, he's into this, like, you know, da, 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 like there's, there's always, there's always, there's always the whispers, you know, you see, I seen the meme one day, I think it was like Salam Central or something. They'd be dropping them sometimes where it's like a whole bunch of aunties and notes just looking and they'll just drop a bar. And it's like, everyone's seen that you all, everyone knows what, what that is. You know, you probably heard it or, you know, they're talking about you in some way, shape or form. So I don't know, maybe, maybe. It might be indicative of like, yo, maybe it's just being too small. It's like, it's not enough of us, you know, maybe the community is too small where it's still, you know, it's like back in the day. And I mean, probably hundreds, if not thousands of years ago, it's like, you know, you're, you're standing in the tribe is very important, you know, so you have to be, you got to be on point. If you're not on point, you're going to get ousted and fed to the wolves. So it's like, you know, it's important what other people think you know what other people in your tribe think but i think now that we're here and you know the tribe is fucking 36 million people you can really just do and feel whatever the fuck you want it's like hey you know i don't really care you know because there's plenty of other people but but when you're an immigrant and you come here you know it's still you still you're still bringing that 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 it's a smaller community type of vibe where you know that's really important i guess i don't know i don't know if i'm if no i i i hear you I, I i yeah and i could see that i think in like cities like smaller cities like windsor there's like this definitely this like group think that happens where it's like collectively you all think the same and hmm. if you start to think a little bit different it's almost like you're ousted but within the group you're still in the group you're just ousted right like when my family was struggling with what they were struggling with we were very much still going to mahabars and like in that collective group but there wasn't un- like we knew that there was conversations happening surprisingly during that time my parents did something very radical and they got out and i remember like it being such a weird feeling 
feeling like we're what we're not going to Mahabharas anymore. What's happening? And my mom and dad are like, no, we're going to focus on our family. We're going to focus on X, Y, and Z. And it did really set me up in how I move in the world in a way, because I do have like anytime there are like anything that's really just a collective of people, like whether it's shaming somebody or feeling so passionately about something, I really take the time to process it. I'm not someone to jump into like whatever the group's doing. It's just never been my way. I see a lot of like toxic situations, even within like, you know, friends of friends that's, that's happening. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, why don't you just get out of it? Like, why don't you just move? Like, do you know, you do not need to live in Sherburne? Like that doesn't you can live anywhere in Toronto, right? But because the whole community is there, and even as toxic as they are, it's like still a community. So they stay, right? And my experiences, like through my journey has always been like, I've always kind of lived somewhere either outside of the community, but very much wanting to be involved in the community, or like building my own kind of tribes, like whatever I'm into, like I hang out with different habishas, but we don't necessarily all think and feel the same way. And if and it's a very open inclusive space where if you don't you're you're able to share and nobody will be like okay then you're out because you don't think like any of us that's Um, i know that is so fucking dangerous man that's just that is that that is some crazy shit that's been going on even even as of late that's whole other conversation but no i i I feel you man it's it's uh sounds like sounds like you got one of the er earliest lessons about protecting your mental health from your parents ironically enough is what is what you're saying right if you're in a fucked up situation remove yourself (laughs) and uh, you know what it's therapy that taught me that was a lesson because you know i never knew that i never i never connected it you know that that was like something they did when i was like 13 14 15 years old yeah no 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 maybe 18 to 19 i don't remember anyhow it was very young i was very young so i never connected it but like anytime i was talking to my therapist i was always talking about like injustice and why does everybody think this way and whatever and like you know i remember the height of like george floyd i was like completely heartbroken right because i'm like how can people not see the injustice of what happened so many times over blah blah, blah. and then she you know brought out this word of like group thing and you know she shared what that meant and I and I remember listening to her and then you know a lot a lot of times what happens with therapies like the therapy session after like because you start to reflect on the conversation you had you start to process it and then I started to think about like when was this like like this is almost like disconnect that my family had from the bigger community and that being such a pivotal time in my life because I remember like I would have a graduation I had a graduation party and only my immediate family could come like none of my community could come not because my parents were really angry at them but they knew that they were dealing with something bigger and they couldn't handle the toxicity of what like that community at that time was bringing to them and they just I don't, I don't know why and what made them come to this point but they made it so effortlessly and like with so much love that I seen that as a norm it's not you do it because you're just being like oh no I don't I just really don't mess with you it's like no because you love yourself you have to make a decision like that right Mm -hmm. like you love your family you want to protect your family that you have to sometimes disassociate with some people to continue right so yeah that was a, a huge lesson that I learned about mental health that I didn't even know my parents were teaching me yeah and it's okay to stand alone bro you know like people it's so scary it's scary you know like to to really be out on the ledge in some ways by yourself but honestly in every situation where I feel like I've been ostracized you know for 
maybe things that I've done and I deserve to get fucking penalized for or just, you know, some bullshit, you know, and I've had to stand alone. Like I actually got stronger from those situations. You know, I, I, I got a chance to reflect on, OK, what just happened here? You know, what did what did what, what did I contribute? That's the first thing. You know, you got to really ask yourself, what did I contribute? And then like, OK, so I know I'm not going to do that again. But at the same time, it's like, hey, actually, I actually feel better now that I'm not even around these people. You know, like I, I feel better mentally. I, I want to have better people around me. You end up surrounding yourself with new, better people, you know, like it's not the end of the world. But uh, yeah, no. And that's that's some shit that we definitely if we really feel like we we fuck with each other and we support each other, you know, the gossip and, and you know, the 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 rumor mills that, that go around. Like that's some shit we really got to get better as as a community, you know, so because because it really hurts people, you know. It really, it really hurts people. And we got to have some humility. Like, yo, we're all imperfect beings. None of us are perfect, you know? And yo, you don't know. You're here whispering about this person, you know, about saying this, that, and the third. Like, you know, a lot of people are throwing stones from glass, 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 glass houses. Is that, is that the, is that the saying? You know? So it's not only hypocritical, but you know, you're, you're doing real damage to people. So, you know, that's definitely, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, as a collective, I feel like we got to really, we got to do a little bit of a better job, you know, at, uh, at, at how we treat people and regardless of what the fuck they're going through, you know, um, just have some empathy and understanding. I mean, but yeah, I mean, so, so now, now, now you're doing, now, now you're looking to level up next generation. I see you got the, the way good, uh, the way good mugs. Oh yeah. What's, I mean, you told me you were going to start this, you, you were, you, you were, you were chatting to me about it last year when, uh, when we were, when we were doing that, uh that thing with the uh, Kazito but uh now now it's coming to to fruition what's like what's going on with this yeah it's so funny because the when when I like we got on this call I'm like oh accountability like I remember I shared that like over a year ago so yeah. it's good that I have at least something to update you on but yeah so I during the pandemic like a lot of us we were left to kind of figure out what we wanted to do with that time outside of like the internal work that I wanted to make sure that I get you know started or done <laughs> which is probably for a lifetime it's never going to be done but I've always had this vision in my head that I want to be able to celebrate culture, whether it's our culture, African culture in general, just culture. And I didn't really know how to do that. And I, that's kind of when we were talking, I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking of this like online space where, you know, we get to celebrate culture. I honestly, at that time, I was like telling myself so I could, you could like, you know, hear me so I can make it a thing. Right. And then the more I like kept working on it, I started to really like build this natural passion for like wanting to celebrate culture and using like artisans that come from these communities, whether it's like the Habesha community or other parts of the world, Haiti or whatever. I wanted to use people that were particular to that culture because I remember when I was before the lockdown, I had traveled a little bit and I went to um, London and Dubai. And when I was in London, I seen a lot of like the Habesha inspired look and I wasn't like, you know, like, like white stores. And I was like, oh, where did you get this? And the person would be like, it's a white person. And she's selling it to me. And she's like, oh, they're made in China. And you know, and, and like comments like that, I'm like, oh, this, this is like really close to like what, you know, Habesha like aesthetics looks like. And she had no idea. She's just kind of like, do you want to buy it or no? Like, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, you know, this is Gabi, like, do you know how important yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. trying to remake that. Like it just, I just, it didn't sit well with me. And then we go into that lock 
down and I'm just like and then I've done some nonprofit work in like parts of Ethiopia where I built schools and stuff like that and I remember during that time when I yeah and I when I when I used to talk to the artisans there they would build these beautiful hand-woven baskets I'm talking it could take them like two days but they're gorgeous right and they get no recognition they sell them for like four five but or 20 but which is like less than two dollars here and it just keeps like these two things these parallels keep playing in my head where this like lady that is in london selling these knockoff i don't know what they gaffy gabby printed something for like over a hundred dollars and then there's these women that actually make these and they are from the culture and they're getting five but or like five dollars or whatever very little having to walk from like the rural part to like the main part to just sell them like just the challenges they were facing right and i i remember during the pandemic i just kept playing in my head so then i was like okay i need to i need to build this kind of like you know a marketplace for these artisans where i can connect globally to other parts of the world and they'd be able to to sell their products as you know the pandemic hit the war hit that became like even harder to do and at some point I was like okay well here's my reason to stop this is where the story ends and maybe when things are perfect again I'll pick it up and after a month I was like it just kept playing in my head and I was like no I don't I want this to be something that I finish after COVID right like I don't want it to just sit and I feel so strongly about it that I have to try to make it work so I did I ended up hiring artists and this is one of the artist's creation. So this is like the way good. And it is actually the woman that you were talking about earlier when they put there. That's where I that got the Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I did it because it really speaks to everything that we've been talking about today, where I'm like, you know, I'm tired of being shamed. <laughs> Mamas are like this, 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 and that. But I also love it. Like it I actually, know. you know, like you mentioned, like the meme, it makes me laugh. So I wanted to do that and like show, like celebrate it and also make it practical. Something that I used I'm also someone that's like try to be as simple as possible because I don't I don't really like to have a lot of things but the things that I do want have I want to be able to like celebrate my culture or myself and that's how this like beauty of a cup was created that's hard yes I gotta so, give me one of those bro. yeah the way good cup get it yeah make sure you get them and that's kind of like where we're at now so I work with an artist and I found here from she's actually from Haiti and then I work with an artist the local artist that will be doing some images that we will be printing onto mugs at your phone cases and then totes will kind of be first to feature and then we don't know where this will end up right like I'm tired of like we learned during the pandemic nothing we can't control anything so I'm not going to live that way anymore I decided I'm just going to do as much as I can and plan accordingly as it happens so if the world opens up again and I can travel a little bit then I'll grab you know I'll work with artisans further out if for now this is how I'm going to have to navigate it locally the the vision is still getting out there and long term it's always going to be the goal to be able to support these artisans and build like almost like an educational institute for them to like scale up their business because I also believe strongly that like as people who traveled here and are privileged to be here we need to somehow support those that we left behind it's not realistic to think that everybody needs to come to North America to survive I just don't think that that's a world that like is fair yeah 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 I mean I think it's also a finesse it's one of the greatest marketing ploys that the West has pulled off that this place is just like amazing like nah I I even had some friends who went back home to Ethiopia 
And, you know, they, you know, they were not these booming, like, you know, they, they're realizing that like, wow, like I can, if I can, if I can find a gig out here, I can make a life, you know, it's not like the West is not the only place that, that, that you can live. And uh, I think in the 21st century, you know, by the grace of God, Africa will see a resurgence, you know, cause uh, there's a lot of youth, there's a lot of opportunity, it's untapped potential, but uh, there's still a lot of people also, you know, it's, it's not where it needs to be. And there's people who need help. So that that's, that's definitely a, a, a an amazing an amazing cause to gun for um but it's funny I, I think about you know some of the people that you know here in this it just you know i think it reiterates a point to me that like yo you know if you see you know some some person out there you know monetizing your culture don't go on twitter and complain about it because that's not really going to do anything go and connect with some artists you know go find the right fabrics you know go go connect with the right supplier and and since you are of that culture and you can connect to it best and you understand it best and 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 you can you know put money in the hands of a you yourself your family and other people who you know come from that then take action you know step up you know be 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 the change that you want to see because you know yeah we can we can rant and rave and uh, you know about oh why are they doing this but hey you know it's a free market opportunity which means equal opportunity for everyone to monetize it including yourself you know so uh you decided to to take it into your own hands you know you were frustrated right and you're like yo fuck it bro i'm not i'm not letting these guys letting these guys eat, eat off of this shit <laughs> and, and, yeah. and 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 make it happen is it a lot yeah 100 i mean like 1000 percent. i like anything especially like i i think like our community we don't get enough support when it comes to understanding business you know like i know growing up it's like you had few people that were had a store or something but in we weren't like taught that business is an option right and i think now even yourself the one thing that i i always like really respect about you is like to me it's like you're a serial entrepreneur you know while serving your community and that is like that's the beauty of what we can create in this in this like in this world that we have like right is that you could literally do all of it and then still support your community right whether you're working in nine to five and then doing a hustle and and still you know giving back in some way it's all possible and it's easier than we could ever imagine because it's literally on our you know in our phone, on our laptop, right? So I think that if we build this, like the more that we even like through this podcast, the more that we can talk about people that are pushing towards, you know, building like empires of their own or like building legacies, building communities, it will resolve some of the other issues that we're having within our community, right? Like you, we could have really spent a lot of time picking at everything that, you know, needs to change within our community. But then there are people like us that are really action oriented, which are doing what needs to be done to make sure that, you know, we don't follow some of the same, the same ways that, you know, people before us came. And a lot of it comes back to dealing with some like mental health issues or like dealing with like generational trauma, like all these topics that you hear in this like mental wealth, mental health realm is very much important in this entrepreneurial, like 
path too, because, you know, those are blockages and you're creating, right? Like if you're not completely clear, you can't see your vision the way you need to see it. So it all plays together. I feel like the more, you know, the more you work on yourself, the more awareness you have, the ability to to create in this world in a free way is so much greater and your intention and your like what you put out will be so much more like it was so much to me, it'll be so much pure. So I think all of this interconnect and like anything is possible at that point, right? Like hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Any, anything is possible, man. You just really just got to make a decision and, and decide to do it for yourself. And, uh, you know, God and the universe will, will respond to it. That's, that's what I believe. Honestly, you know, you want to, you know, you want to take, you want to get better. Hey, you know, you take the first step and, you know, you'll, you'll start to see doors open up that you never, you never thought was possible. You're feeling frustrated about some injustices in the world. You know, there's, you know, structure that exists within the the you know where where we live right now for you to register a nonprofit you know create a, create a social media platform you know create some brand awareness and you know run some programs get funding you know you see you know somebody out there monetizing your culture and they're not even and 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 it's like yeah they're doing it but they're not even doing it as well as you could do it you know that's that's the second problem the first problem is they're monetizing your culture sure you know you can be upset about that right but what are you going to do about it and 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 the second thing that you can also say to yourself is oh this is actually an opportunity you know because these guys don't understand our culture as well as we do you know they 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 may not be able to you know source this product as well as i can right so you know, I see this, I have an issue with it, you know, instead of just yelling from the mountaintops, let me, let me see what I can go do about this. You know, let me register a business. Let me go find out, you know, how do I, how do I do import export? You know, how, wh- which designer do I need to connect to? And then just solve the problem that, sh- that you're seeing in front of you. And, you know, and, and that's how you create value for the world. You know, that's how you find, you know, your, your, that's how you find yourself. Cause this is also a process of kind of finding yourself, right. A lot as, as you go through the, these, you know, experiments and processes, but it's also how you see the change that you, that, that you want to see. You have all the answers, essentially, you know, it's really what it comes down to. Yeah. I, yeah. At 100%. Like, I, I agree with everything you said. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Meret, thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming on today. I'm not going to hold you on any longer. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we definitely got to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you talk- so much. I- yeah, no, no, my pleasure. My pleasure.